Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome you, most holy God, to dwell among us. Draw us near to you. Deepen our love as we serve you with increasing awe and wonder. Preside over us, transforming us to be the holy people that you have long desired. Make us known as people who belong to you. Manifest the splendor of your presence so greatly that reports about you spread throughout our community and beyond. Jesus, in your flesh, you've anchored heaven's life upon the earth. Open our eyes to see you clearly and to know you in your fullness. Your words are not merely true. You are truth itself. You are not merely giving and forgiving. You are God's gift itself. Finish what you came for. Make your dwelling amidst your people. This is our prayer. This is our cry, Lord. We're in a new day, new mercies, a new dawn, and you've given us a new heart. And we want to be more like you. We want to feel the newness that you promise all through your word. We want to be pleasing to you, a sweet-smelling fragrance in your nostrils. This is what we so desire. Help us to take our focus off of flesh, off of self, and recognize we're here to give you glory, to praise you with our thoughts, with our breath, with our actions, with our eyes, with our hands, with our whole total being. We're here to praise you and to glorify your presence upon this earth. Help us to see beyond our own selfish desires and needs that are not even coming from heaven, but from below. Help us to recognize so we can rise above the earth and anchor ourselves so that we can soar like eagles. Thank you for loving us in spite of our sinful ways. Thank you for loving us in our blindness. Thank you for loving us and your love will never fail nor will it stop, but it will propel us to where you desire for us to go. Thank you, Father. Only a living Father who art in heaven can love like this. And we are so grateful that we get to experience that love. We get to feel that love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Now, God, I ask you to reveal to me the things you want me to know. So when I speak, Master, will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to read this text I got from Pastor Tim this morning. He has a, a text ministry 
and I thought this is something I need to share with the congregation because I get them all the time and I actually forward them to all of my family members to keep them in the presence of the Lord into growing. But this one was so, it was so in tune and it's so timely. Plus there's a part of it in it where he's talking about why we should praise God and giving all the names which are identical to what's in my prayer book. Amen. Praise the Lord. And the title of the is a thought for the week. And he's gotten so good, he's given you two or three of them in a week's time. Before it was just one week, now he's coming up with two or three of them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The thought for the week is Jesus Christ, Lamb of God. And we know that the Lamb of God came to take away the sins of the world. Amen. So that's why we need to rejoice. And it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto us servants, to his servants, I'm sorry, things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the Lamb of God who was slain for our sins, Redeemer, the way, the God, the Good Shepherd, a light and darkness, my joy, my peace, my sanctity, my healer, my rock, and my strength. Okay, I'm going to read these names again because you need to be excited to know who your Savior is. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, the lion is one of those animals that everybody is fearful of. But he is the lion. The root of David come from a priestly, kingly inheritance. The lamb of God. The one God sent to make the greatest sacrifice that has ever been made and that would ever be made. Amen. Amen. He was slain for our sins. He is our redeemer. He redeemed us from the power of the curse of sin and death. He redeemed us from the power of it. It means it can't hold you. He is the way. He is the only way. There many ways are going to come before you, but there's only one way that's going to lead you to peace, joy, and victory in this life. He's the good shepherd. You know, the shepherd leads the sheep because the sheep are dumb. That's us. We're dumb. We think we got it going on. We think we know, but we are sheep. And the good shepherd is here to lead us always at all times. Amen. He's a light in darkness. We are in dark times. And everybody's darkness is a little bit different. But God said, Jesus is the light in our darkness. And all you have to do is pull up, call on him, the switch will come on, and the light will remove the darkness. 
We dwell in darkness because we don't choose to know the light. And when you dwell in darkness, it becomes comfortable. It becomes common. And in order to come out of it, you have to reach up for something higher. And pull on Jesus, the glorious light. He's our joy, our peace. Now, those two things can only come from Jesus. They don't come from other human beings. You don't get joy from another human being. You don't get peace from another human being. You have to get it from the Lord. And when you get it from the Lord, it allows you to be in peace and enjoy with people who are reaping havoc in your life. Amen. Amen. He's my sanity. You don't have to go through the, to the psychiatrist or the therapist because they need a savior. Sitting up listening to all the craziness from everybody else is a wonder they haven't lost their minds. And I wonder. <laughs> but God will renew your mind. And he'll give you peace that transcends all understanding. He's your healer. He can heal us from everything. And when we hear the word healer, we only think about physical illness. There's all kinds of illness. There's emotional, inner turmoil. You need a healer. Okay? There's mental. You need a healer. There's spiritual sickness. We need a healer. Sometimes we are spiritually sick and we don't know it because some of the symptoms we're feeling are natural and we think it's something wrong with our body or something like when in fact you're having a spiritual sickness. They come to handicap you, to stop you in your tracks and you need to call on the healer. Jehovah Rapha. Hallelujah. He's your rock. You can stand on him just like the eagles. The the eagles land on a rock and they weather the storm. When an eagle is in a storm, he stops and perch on a rock and he covers himself like this. And he just, he stays, stay right there on that rock till that storm passes by. That's what God wants us to do. To stand on the rock of Jesus until the storm passes over. And when the storm passes, just like with the eagle, not one feather comes up out of them. (laughs) We won't lose anything. Amen. He's our strength. When we're feeling weak and you think you can't go on, he will encourage you. He will bring something before you to, to, to let you know there's a new dawn. Yes, amen. There's a new breath. Yes, amen. You can go on. Yes. Amen. Yes. amen. He says, who is Jesus to you? Mm-hmm. In our scripture and throughout the book of Revelation, John explains who Jesus Christ is and why he died so that we will not be lost. Oftentimes, many tend to approach the book of Revelation to discuss end times 
and the spooky, but if we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then we will know that we have the victory by the blood of the Lamb. We don't have to get caught up in trying to interpret signs and wonders, but know that God has already provided a way, a way out of sin, darkness, sickness, disease, storms, and death. And his name is Jesus. When we put Jesus first, it ensures alignment with God and his plan for our lives. We have a solid foundation based upon the living word of God, or the logos, which is Jesus himself. Moreover, we can be confident in the fact that Jesus is with us. Be encouraged. You know, when you open up the book of Revelation, it tells you that it's coming to bring good news, but people always visit the book of Revelation with fear and trembling, unless you're born again. If you're born again, you realize the book of Revelation is hope. Yes. And it bears good news. Yes. But if you're not born again when you read it, it is frightening. Yes. I know because I tried to read it when I wasn't born again. Yeah. And then I read it again when I was born again. And I'm like, no wonder he tells us, you, you need to rejoice. Yes. This is good news. Yes. Amen. Yes. Praise the name of Jesus. Okay, um, what we're doing, um, I don't know if you remember when I first started on this series, The Battle is the Lord. Okay, well, I'm continuing to try to flow with that. And this is going to be considered as, as part two of uh, The Battle is the Lord. And the basic scripture reference, because there's a lot of scriptures that we're going to be using, but the uh, three basic references that I'm using to support this until we get through, through this study is 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. And why we're doing this, because the Lord told me I, we need to learn the difference between the work of the Lord and the work of Satan. And because we are in a battle. And so there's arm, which means armed conflicts. And Satan and the Lord are always in conflict with each other. So in order for us to understand the battle and know how to fight the battle, then we need to know who our Lord is and understand who he is. And we need to major in him first. And then we're going to talk about who Satan is. Okay? But we're not going to get to Satan today because I'm, we're going to major on the major. Amen. And then at the end, I'll major on the minor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I don't know if you remembered, uh, because it's been like two weeks now, uh, we talked about who God is and, and that he has three great personality traits. And so we talked about God being omnipresent, and we talked about God being omnipotent. Now, omnipresence means he's universal. He's everywhere at the same time, which is such an awesome thought because there's no other God, no man-made God or no other kind of God that people have come up uh, or, or man that people make gods out of that can be everywhere at one time. That alone should win us over. Amen? Okay, and, and, and omnipotent means he's infinite, he's powerful, and his power is expressed 
by his creative work as well as by his nature and so on. But today we're going to uh, talk about omniscience, omniscience. God is infinite, he has infinite knowledge of everything, okay? And in having knowledge of everything shows his three personality traits. So he operates in the three personalities as he is ex exemplifying or showing his infinite power, and that is as God, as Christ, and as the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's, let's talk about this. And I think this is very, very important because it helps us to know how to fight our battles and that we can fight, but we've been given the authority to fight the battles in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood. It says we have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So the blood of the lamb has allowed us already to overcome because he shed his blood to, to free us. Okay, when he freed us, he freed us from the power of sin and death. We need to really understand that, though you you think that you get into stuff and you can't help yourself. Yes, you can. But it's all about what you understand and you know, and you've learned to be able to speak out those things that you have learned. Amen. And so that's what it means by the the blood that was shed on the cross on Calvary. We have overcome the sin and death. Amen. And now as a word of our testimony is that when we get up and testify what God is saying in his word, that's the testimony, not where you, you, you give your little uh, praise reports of events that you've come out, out of. Your testimony is the word of God that when you are in a struggle, you're in a hard time, you're in a press time, you're in a turmoil or whatever that you're in, God's word surfaces up in your heart and flows out of your mouth. That's the testimony. That's the testimony. You see, we don't want to use that at times. We want to succumb to the time of the temptation that we're facing or we want to shrink and succumb to the power of pain, disappointment, disillusion or whatever it is that we're facing rather than to arise to the occasion with what his word has to say about it. And so when the pain comes, what does the word says about it? Okay. And if you don't know, just open up your concordance and look for healing and he will give you a word at the time of need. If your heart has been broken, go to the concordance and look up the word for heart. Look up a word for love and let God feed you his word so that you can speak it out. Now, when you speak it out, two things is happening because it says that the word is like a two-edged sword. So it's cutting the thing that's messing on you or cutting you or hurting you, but it's also cutting you too. And what is it doing? It's separating your soul from from your heart is separating the natural from the spirit so that you can stand and hold on and press through and go on it takes away the thing that is hurting you and has in, in, in empowered and empowered the wrong thing in you it's separating that and allowing you to have life and where you can breathe as it also attacks the thing that's coming to you and that has attacked you but when we understand that then we don't become overcome by the thing that has 
attacked us. We overcome. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What is your testimony? What are you testifying? Are you testifying the hell that's overpowering you? Are you testifying what Jesus has already done? And so, let's visit. It says that he's omniscient through God. And let's go over to Isaiah 40. You know, this is I have so much that's involved in this. So I don't know when in the world we may finish this series. Okay. Okay, in Isaiah 40, it's going to show you how he's present as God. Okay? Isaiah 40. 40. And um, this is very interesting. We're going to, Lord, what do you want me to read? The verse that shows that he is actually God is in 14. I'm going to read that, but I also have to go back and kind of read some scriptures out of here. The verse that shows that, um, that, he's, that he's God is verse 14. And it says, with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment, or another word is justice, and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Now, I'm going to go back and read the beginning so you can understand what was going on. But this verse is saying that God gave, um, okay, the people, Israel, gave them comfort because they were able to take counsel with God who instructed them. Now, we don't want to go to God because you know the instructions he's going to give you are going to conflict with what your soul is telling you to do. But if you follow his instructions, you'll come out real well. You'll be a whole lot better off because if we go the way that we want to go, it's going to be greater damage. Not only to the people, but to ourselves, okay? So he instructed them, and then he taught them in the path of justice. He taught them in the path of justice. And, and then he gave them knowledge, and he showed them the way of understanding. You come out of that with wisdom. See, when you follow God's way, when he gives you information, that's what that knowledge is. And then he shows you the way, that's that wisdom. He's giving you understanding how to deal with the situation. But you have to have some patience to wait on the Lord and to listen to the Lord and follow the way of the Lord. We want everything to happen like like that or like a microwave. Well, wait a minute. You've been practicing what you're dealing with a lot longer. Now, why are you expecting to be just out of it? You can't. You know why you can't? Because though you're expecting and wanting God to pull you out of this one particular situation that you're in, because you've been in it for so long, you've been dealing with it for such a long time, there are so many other entanglements that have caught up with the main thing that if he was just to set you free like that, you would go right back in it. 
but, but see, it's taking a time because he's working out all the mother little attachments that have occurred as a result of the bondage of the sin that you have gotten in. And there are many, many, many manifestations of the one particular problem that you want him to get you out of. And I don't care if someone else put the mess on you, you played a great part because you became a recipient. Why? Because it's familiar spirits. So there's some things in you that drew the mess to you. It was like a partnership and you didn't even realize you were in partner with something. You know, sleeping with the enemy. You had made partnership with the wrong thing. Now, don't get upset. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Let the Lord pull you out. Because when he pulls you out, he don't just pull you out and now you safe. He pull and detach. Take away. Cleanse. Purge. Purify. So that when you come out, you don't even think about going back again. Because who, who the Lord sets free is free indeed. You don't want to just change the situation for the moment you want to come out of the situation completely and you want to be a renewed person a different person that don't even have the same old desires anymore your taste has changed your eyesight has changed your smelling has changed everything has changed so that when that old past come by you don't even recognize it anymore and guess what they don't recognize you because God has set up some thorny sto- thorns before you, a hedge of thorns before you. So when your enemy, your past lover come around, he can't get to you. He can't get next to you because he's made such a difference. He set up ambushment around you so that the past can't touch you anymore. Hallelujah, Jesus. Only the God like we serve can do that for you. You need to recognize you have, you have power. You have authority. You have help. Call on it. You don't have to deal and lay and stay in a situation that has you bound and you don't know which way to go. You have somebody that can pull you out. And when he pulls you out, clean you up. The people won't recognize you. The past can't hold you. And you don't have vision for the past to go back anymore. And people be saying, well, you, don't, you act funny now. Yeah, you're right. I'm a new creation. All things has passed away. All things are new. I once was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah, Jesus. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's over. It's over. Ain't nothing left but to shout. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let me tell you, you can be in sin and it'll feel good. With that old nature. But when God gets a hold of you, that sin is inconvenient. It is no longer expedient for where you're going. And you will know that it becomes uncomfortable. 
You feel out of place. I know from past experiences, when I was hanging with my, my posse, doing everything, when I got born again, and I went back, and I looked at them doing the things we used to do together, and I'm thinking, that's how you used to look. Foolish. I was embarrassed of how I used to be when I saw the vision before me. I'm like, Lord Jesus, and I was stupid. I thought I was smart, but I was actually stupid. And guess what? I was leading the pack. They're listening to me and following me, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus for saving me. I wouldn't be here today. I'm sure somebody probably would have killed me if sin didn't just kill me. See, when you cross over, that's why you're able to worship. See, that's why people can't worship. Because they, because they got one foot. And so you can't worship. You can only worship when you've been removed. <laughs> from something that had you captive. Yes, you can only worship when those cap- captive thoughts has released yes. you because Jesus says, uh-uh, no more. She call on me. Yes. He's called on my name. No more. You don't have no more power. Those thoughts have to go now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I know it can be done. You got to want it, though, because we serve a gentleman called the Holy Ghost. He don't come upon you and overtake you unless you surrender your will to him. That's when he'll come upon you and overtake you. But if you stand against him, he'll go on by. Now, Satan will grab you. Come on. This is good. This is just what you need. That's what Satan will do. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He waits for the invitation. And sometimes we send out an invitation and don't know we've sent out an invitation. When you can be in a situation like, Jesus, help me. Jesus, I'm tired. Those, you don't know, those are invitations. <laughs> I can't take it any longer, Jesus. It's an invitation. For something more powerful to yes. come in and rearrange your life. Yes. I remember I used to walk five miles a day. And, and I was walking. And I used that time because I'd, I'd try to stay away from walking partners. You know, people just come up and attach themselves to you. I'm like, oh, God. Because I, was, I had, I had a, a, a purpose. And I was speed walk. I wasn't strolling, you know. And, and so I don't have time to be talking. Plus, I use that time to pray. Amen. So as I'm walking five miles, I'm praying the whole time. And I remember saying, and I didn't have a clue really what I was saying. God, I surrender my all to you. Use me as you will. And he says, do you know what you're saying? I said, no, I really don't, and I'm frightened, but of what I do know, 
I can't go back. And I did not have a clue where that surrender was going to take me. Amen. But I thank God that I made it. I mean, I made the decision to say that. I don't mean I've made it. I made the decision to say that because I never would have been able to experience what real intimacy is all about. I thought I knew what intimacy was all about. And because I said I, I give it all to you, I had some experiences for the Lord, for the Lord to show me. I'm going to show you what real intimacy is all about. You think you got it going on. And in the wee hours of the morning, okay, none of this was planned. Okay, Father, thank you, Jesus. We had one car, and I had to take Mac to work, and he had to be, be the work at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. At any rate, it was dark when I would leave and dark when I got back home. And so I would just put on a coat over my pajamas. So when I got home, I'd take my coat off and get right back into bed. I would sleep while he would drive himself to work, and then I'd get up under the wheel and drive myself back home. When I came in the house, I wouldn't even turn the light on. I walked in the dark so I could kind of stay asleep and get into bed. And... I would listen to Christian radio on the way home so I wouldn't fall asleep under the wheel. Okay. So I, uh, this one particular, one particular morning when I got home and I, and I got in the bed and, and then because I was kind of awake, then I began to praise him so that I could go back to sleep. And when, when, I, when I began to praise God, I'm laying in the bed and I'm praising him. I felt him come and embrace me wrap his arms around me and embrace me. I felt the arms of God embrace me. Let me tell you, that embrace I felt from God, I have never felt that from any human being. It was, I'm trying not to be dirty and X-rated. But I had never had any sexual encounter that fulfilled me the way the arms of God did, embracing me. I can't put it in words. I, I, I can't explain it to you. But I experienced an intimacy that no human being can do for you. And, and I didn't want him to leave, and I'm like, please don't. Don't take your arms away from me. Please don't, don't leave me because it was such a f- fulfilled feeling and such a good feeling. And I thought I had experienced, you know what I'm saying, okay? I thought I had had that great experience. And, and I'm like, God wanted me to know there's an intimacy that's far more important than this natural intimacy that you are experiencing here on earth. And it's lasting, and it's one that will hold you. Amen? I will never forget that. But I knew that it was important for me to feel that. So I will have my satisfaction in him and stop looking for a person, preferably a male, 
to do that because they can't do that for you. And when they fall short, God is there to pick it up and to keep you so that your focus is not on another human being but is on him because as humans we're going to fail we're going to miss the mark we cannot bring completion to each other the only way we can bring completion to each other is that we have the love of Christ flowing in us and we have compassion and understanding for each other that means I can understand and accept your weakness because I am too. And that is the keeping power for me to be able to stay because God is there to remind me how weak I am and because of him, I have the strength. Amen. I had another experience of feeling his love. I'm telling you, that's the keeping power. That is the keeping power. We expect way too much from human beings, from each other. When when you get married, you don't get married because you think that person can make you happy. They can't. They will bring some happiness to the picture sometime. But they can't bring you the joy and happiness that you need to function as a human being. Yes, yes. And when you become dependent on that, you now have put yourself in a vulnerable position for Satan to have his way. Yes, yes. Amen. Yes. I went to visit a church that used to be up there on, on 8 Mile. Um, and and I don't know if the praise and worship, to me, I thought the praise and worship was just that great, but it may be just that God was ready to move me. But I got caught up into the praise and worship to the point, like Paul, I was caught up and wasn't aware of my surroundings anymore. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm talking about? Okay. And... Um, I just went to visit this church. I did not belong to the church, but I wanted to go in and get some service in because we were going to go and have, have breakfast. And this, this church is, um, was predominantly white. And so I figured the services would be quick and I'd get on out of there and then we can go do. And um, these were some real people. And the praise team and the musicians, they were really worshipers. But at any rate, while I'm in worship, like I said, I got caught up. And I literally did not feel anything on either side of me, front or back. I was caught up in the spirit. And when I was caught up, the Lord showered me with his love. And I felt love in a way I've never felt love before. It was totally different. And I'm like, oh my God. And so when I... I say, come, when I came back down, where I'm feeling human, it was everything looked different. Everything looked different to me, and everything felt different. And, and, and one of the gentlemen that was, uh, was on, the, uh, on the band came down, and he says, Sister, I love the way you praise. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that wasn't praise. <laughs> that was something else. So what I left out of the church. I looked up, it was like the sky was beautiful. 
everything was beautiful and I was all, I mean, the joy was present. And it was like the, you couldn't do no wrong. It was just, just wonderful. God was allowing me to experience pure love. Okay? I was there longer because, because when I came out, obviously there was something over me and people were coming to me and I didn't know a soul for healing and all kinds of stuff. So I'm actually doing ministry. Don't know anybody. Okay. So I ended up staying a lot longer than I thought I was going to stay. So when I get home and he's sitting there waiting for me in the kitchen, he's angry because you've been gone so long. Now, not in the spirit, we never would have gone to breakfast. But because God had put me in a different position than I have ever been in, and I'm like, oh, honey, it's so beautiful. Come on, we're going to go to breakfast. And that's not even, you know, that's my great-granddaughter, okay, with the drama. (laughs) I'm like, come on, get ready, let's go. We're going to go to to breakfast. Come on. It's a beautiful day. Oh, I love you. I don't, do you remember that? No. no. <laughs> I never should have asked you. You put a whole different damper on it. <laughs> but we did go to breakfast, and we, and we had fellowship, and we had a good time. So what had happened, what, how I handled that eradicated the anger. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So I had the privilege, the awesome opportunity to experience two major important things that a human need to know that I can always get it from my Heavenly Father and when I get it from him he equips me to give it out amen boy I don't know that was not any of the preparation so bear with me. <laughs> okay, but mm, I'm going to read the scriptures that support that God is omniscient. He has infinite knowledge. Infinite, infinite, I don't know how you want to pronounce it, but infinite knowledge. Isaiah 38, beginning with verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet the son of Amoz, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Uh, He's telling him, If you want to live, get your house in order. Amen. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. When Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall, that's like, okay, I'm getting the world out of, out of this. I'm getting all of my full concentration on the Lord. I don't want to think about nothing. I don't want no interference. I just want to focus on God. Sometimes we have to do that. 
if you want to hear from him and you need a change, then sometimes you have to do that. Now, you may not be experiencing physical death, but you have spiritual death that's going on. And you need to turn and face the wall so that you can just focus on the Lord and cry out to the Lord. You can lament to the Lord. Amen. And, and so verse 3 says, and said, remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I've walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. Now, it doesn't mean perfect in the way that we mean it, but it, it, it means with a loyal heart. I, I gave you my whole heart. I didn't give you just part of my heart like we do. You know, you got my heart doing services. <laughs> then after that, I'm doing my thing. Okay. So he says, I've given you my whole heart. And, I, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore, or wept to, he was weak probably, but it means bitterly. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Isaiah's a prophet talking to the king. Go and say to Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father. Now in this verse here, it lets you know who God is. Okay, he says, the God of David, the fa thy father, I've heard thy prayer. I've seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. Now, earlier it says that he was, he, he was sick to death. He didn't just get healed and restored, but he got added time to his life. Amen. Now, when he gives us added time to our lives, it is not for you to have a good time. <laughs> You're on a mission. Amen. He says, and I would deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which is gone down in the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backwards. So the sun returned ten degrees by which degrees it was gone down. So he was going to change the time by, by the elements of the sun. And he was moving time back. See, you need to know there are times when we're facing some things, you may need an extra hour. There's only 24 hours in a day, but he'll give you a 25th, 26th, 27th hour. When you learn, learn how to cry out to him, he will provide what you need. Amen. And, and so this is what he's promising to Hezekiah. And, and then it says, verse 9, the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness, I said in the cutting off of my days, I should go to the gates of the grave. I'm deprived of the residue of my years. I shall and I shall not see. I said I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. My age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a, weave, like a weaver my, my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness from day even to night will thou make an end of me. I reckon to morning that as a lion so will the break of all my bones from day even to night will thou make an end of me. Now that's lamenting. That's lamenting. But if you're going to lament, only do it to God so that he can turn it around. Because when you lament to other people, all you did is put that out in the air 
for the, the enemy to work it. Okay. He says, like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. My eyes fell with looking upward. Oh, Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me a promise, a praise promise for life. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me, and he himself hath done it. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O oh Lord, by these things men live, and all these things is the life of my spirit. So will thou recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, but thou hast cast all of my sins behind my back, behind thy back. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee, they that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. Some of you are down in the pit of your heart. That's why you don't have no hope. Because when you go down into the grave, you can't see life. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the string instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. For Isaiah have said, let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. Hezekiah also had said, what is the sign that I should go up to the house of the Lord? He was ready to receive the sign that God promised to give to him to let him know you will come out of this okay and I will take care of the king of Assyria. We need to learn to turn our backs to hell and face God. Give God your troubles, but trust God. And if you need a sign, ask him to reveal it to you just to give you some hope to keep on going. Amen. And he will do that for you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, um, let's go over to Colossians 2, where we're going to show how through Christ is infinite knowledge. Colossians 2, and it's going to be verses 2 to 3, that shows his infinite power through Christ. And it says that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this is really a prayer and you know Paul was very good at praying some real good prayers for the church and, and so let's do one. For I would that you, that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So Paul is praying on, on their behalf that they would understand his conflict that he was having for them was that he was standing in the gap praying. He was trying to lead them and guide them in the area where they needed to go in order to accomplish what they had to accomplish through the work of of, of being a servant unto Christ and knowing that although you are a servant unto Christ doing the work of Christ that you're doing it through him. Amen. You're not doing it on your own. 
That's in everything that you do. Not just spiritual work in ministry, but just to live life here on earth because you have been born again as a new creation. And so now everything that you do is in and through him and by him in order for you to live on this natural earth. You don't separate your natural life from spiritual life. God has made a way for you to do it all. But we get confused. When you become a servant of the Lord, that is your life. That he allow you to do some natural things. Our whole life belongs to him. We have to remember that he didn't create us for self. He created us for him. And all that we do is for him. And so when we are doing things for other people in this world, he's working it through us. Amen. Amen. And so he's praying that they will have the comfort. Glory. Hallelujah. Jesus. That they will know and have the understanding of knowing. That's the comfort. When you understand and know that you, you don't have to know all that you're going to do for God, but you need to know you are working for God and you're on his plan. That's all you need to know, okay? And that should bring you the comfort and the peace. And as long as you keep going in the path that he set before you, you're okay. You don't have to worry about what the outcome is going to be, what's happening on the right or the left-hand side. Just keep your focus on him. You're walking in his path. You will understand it later by and by. There's a whole lot I did not understand. I'm just beginning to understand a lot of it right now that was given to me years and years ago. But what the blessing is, is that I was smart enough or dumb enough to just go. Just follow his path without a clear understanding. Amen? And not listen to other people that was trying to lift me up before time. If I listened to them, I would have aborted the ministry. I was told, oh, you need to go and sit up there with with, uh, 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 with Jake, Bishop Jake and all of them f- way before time. If I listened to them, I would have aborted the real ministry. Amen. God intend for us to be popular in ministry. He intends for us to win souls for him. So he said that you will be comforted and not only comforted, but, but you will all be knitted together in love, knitted together in love to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding that you will have the full assurance which means you will understand the mysteries of God that he has for his people and that you will operate according to the knowledge of those mysteries that was given to us by the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And he says that's where all the hidden treasure is. All the wisdom and the knowledge is in Jesus Christ. And when you know him, you don't need to know nothing else but him and him crucified. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. God operates his knowledge through the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2. And that would be verses 10 through 13. Well, I'm going to do 9. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now that's a verse that Sister Pat 
gave me years ago. And she, every once in a while, she recites it again to me, I guess to keep me encouraged. Verse 10, but God have revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, saith the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. See, now this is why I didn't want to get on this, because see, we need to understand. He says comparing spiritual things with spiritual. There are some spiritual things that are being said and done that did not come from heaven. It's from an unclean spirit. Unfortunately, it's used among the body of Christ and because they are born again and filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we tend to think everything that we hear that we think is in the Spirit is coming from the Holy Spirit. And that is not always the case. That's why he tells us in John, try the spirits with the Spirit. Amen? Because there is a spirit, and he is a counterfeiter. So he tries to mimic the Holy Spirit, and especially when he wants to deceive God's people. We get caught up when it seems super spiritual, and we buy into stuff, especially if you see some miracles. Don't you know that the enemy works evil miracles too? This is why you have to stay true to God in your personal life so that your spirit stays clean enough for you to be able to discern unclean spirits from the Holy Spirit that is doing the exploits that the Holy Spirit would do. See, everything that surfaces up out of you all the time is not coming from the Holy Spirit. And if we don't have the discernment or the wisdom to ask God to, to reveal to you and to show you, that's why I tell people all the time when they come to me for interpretation of a dream and all of that, ask God to first of all tell you, where did this dream come from? Is it from him? Is it from Satan or is it from you? When I say from us, you've eaten some stuff and laid down on it. Okay? You need to know the source of the dream. So you will, and if, if it's from him, he's going to make it clear to you at the appropriate time. But in the meantime, he's going to give you peace until he reveals it to you. But if it's not from him, he's going to tell you immediately. That's from Satan. Or that's from your own self-conscious. Amen. We must try the spirit. Because the enemy will put things in you that he wants to use against God. Because remember, he's after the glory of God. And so he used good stuff, not the obvious. That's why we're deceived. 
He used good things to deceive us. He used good people to deceive us. He works through good people just like God uses people and he used evil people sometimes to get his truth across. And the only way that you can know the difference is that you are in a good relationship with the Lord. You are humble. You are praying and you are confessing your sin. I know that this stuff is hitting some areas this day. You are confessing your sins before God. Don't take the attitude that you got all the answers and you know because you're so Holy Ghost filled. And because you intercede. God gives us gifts to help us not to be deceived and not to flow in the areas of error that will keep us powerless and cause his hands to close up like this and the spirits, I mean the angels cannot operate on our behalf. Amen. Amen. So you have to try it and you have to seek and look and study. You have to study the word. If you don't study the word, then you will not be able to understand or, dis- or discern what's coming to you and where and who's the author of it. Amen. 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 We have been given a spirit. And the spirit in man is characterized as one, the center of emotions. And then this is when you use your discernment. The source of passion. This is when you know the spirit. You need to know the spirit of truth to know when your passions are from the Lord. Okay, and the cause of volitions, which means your will is operating. Now let's go and and look at these scriptures for a minute, and and I, I promise I won't keep you long. Uh, for um, the center of emotions. Let's go over to 1 King 21. 1 King 21. Okay, and, and it would be verse 5. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? That was an unclean spirit that came to him to talk about a good thing. Do you hear that? like she was really concerned. She really wasn't concerned about him. She just wanted to control him, to have him off the plan that God has set. Amen? You, you need to always try the spirits with the spirit. Don't just eat up stuff because you respect or like a person. Usually, if I give, uh, um, um, somebody comes to a dream and I, try to give them the understanding of it, I always tell them, you need to pray and ask God. Don't take my word for it, because I could be off, okay? But I usually try to pray too. I don't just come off like I know it, because, because I operate in the, in the prophetic. The key word is operate. I'm not the prophetic. These titles just define what we do. They don't define who we are. So as the prophetess, I operate in the prophetic. Amen? Okay. Um, so because our emotions can take us back and forth, just like the weather, that it changes. Okay? 
And, and in order for you to be steady and consistent, you have to flow in the spirit and you have to depend on the spirit and you have to call on the spirit all the time because you go in and out of emotions. Yeah. You know, you hear something and it, it tickles your flesh and you feel good and you're all in. And that same person can come along later on and tell you some kind of truth that won't tickle your flesh but prick it. And you don't want to hear it. Amen. All of a sudden, they are a false prophet. <laughs> Try the spirits. Because prophets were not put here to give you good news all the time. Let me tell you, the news is good, but you got to obey what they're telling you so God can bless you. Because sometimes they're coming to bring correction. And when they bring correction, it's up to you to receive it. And if you receive it, you're going you're gonna to feel and see the good news. But anytime a person is coming up to you always talking about, yeah, that's your husband. And, and you're going to live in a big house. And you, and you know, that's not prophecy. Because God sends his word to bring order, to bring correction, to bring doctrine, to bring reproof. That's what he sends his word for. He don't send his word to make you feel good for the moment so that you can be happy. Okay, so that's why you need to have the spirit of discernment operating in you so that you don't just go with every little emotion that pops up. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, the, the source of passion. So that would be Ezekiel 3. 3.14. I'm going to be through in a minute. Ezekiel 3.14 says, So the spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness, and the heat of my spirit in the anger of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Right. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, you can be in passion, but you're in the wrong passion. And to the God, to, to God bring some correction to that and let, you, and let you know that it's a time for everything. It's a place for everything. Amen. And so you need to know there's times to be angry. You can be angry, just don't sin. Amen. But there's times to be angry because that's the time to let you know things are out of order. Something is wrong. So then you can seek God how or what you need to do or how to bring this thing in order. Amen. And if you don't listen to him, you're going to let your anger overtake you. Where then no correction or no change is done because you're just walking around angry. Amen. Amen. And guess who you're hurting? Amen. Because it's destroying you. Other people have decided to just cut you off. You can be cut off and don't know you've been cut off. Cut out and don't know you've been cut out. You can be in my presence and you don't even exist. But I'll treat you nice. Hallelujah, Jesus. All right, let's go over to Proverbs 16 to talk about the will. This is not one of them kind of shouting things. This is a learning process. Amen. Because that's what we want to do. We don't want to be deceived by Satan and his lies. We want to learn. 16, and, and we're going to do verse 32. It says, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. 
you're stronger than, than the strongest person that you see that seems to have accomplished much in the world because that means you're in control of your emotions and you don't let your emotions go wherever they will. Amen. When we let our emotions control us, then we become weak in other areas. Okay? Because you don't have a sense of discipline. And so when you become out of order in one particular area, you're like that basically you're in the whole dynamic of your life. I can remember I was... Um, dating this guy and um and i was uh, went in his car and it was chunky and it was a mess and i'm like oh my god you don't keep this car up don't keep this car clean oh i'll get it done but um in in, in my business in my office i'm i do this and i do that and i said you know what you can you 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 can't convince me of that lie your office, how you handle your business and your home looks just like this car, and I haven't seen it, but I bet you. And later on, I did get to see it. And he had to hire some people to bring some order. Well then, if you didn't learn the order, they just brought some order temporarily, because you're gonna get it right back in the same condition that it was in. You need to learn to bring the order and figure out how to do it. Now you may have to hire somebody to teach you, and direct you, but you need to learn it. Because when, and when we don't have a sense of order in one area of our life, it covers the whole area. You can hide it, but it's a strain. Don't you know, it takes more energy and more effort trying to pretend than to do the work. You know, have you seen people on the job and they pretending like they're busy? And they're working harder than you are, and you're doing the work. Well, while you're trying to pretend like you got your stuff together, I'm so clean, I'm so organized, I'm so this and I'm so that, and you're just working yourself to death, pretending, and everything is a mess, going straight to hell. Okay. God has given us the ability to make choices and decisions, and that is the act of our will, and that's that third cause, the will. Okay, God gave man and no other beast a soul which gives us the ability to make those choices. That's called a free will. Okay, also he gave man moral fiber. That is to detect right from wrong. Man was built with a moral fiber to, to be able to determine what's right or wrong because you didn't go right because your choice. Okay. Because man was made in God's image, once man becomes born again by the blood and the cross of Jesus, God gives man a new heart to filter out right and wrong by the power of his word or his truth, which is revealed by his spirit in the word. Because he made us in his image, okay, we have the ability to have moral understanding of choosing right from wrong. But once we become born again by the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ on Calvary, God gave man a new heart to filter out right and wrong by the power of God's truth, 
which is revealed by his spirit in the word. That means you don't just use your moral being to make a decision. It's deeper and greater and better than that. Now you use your spirit that's been changed by the spirit of the Lord to filter out to make right decisions. Because before then, all things were lawful for you, but they're not expedient. Amen. And so we have to have a, 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 a Holy Ghost spirit that's directing us and guiding us. Now, that's a holy frame of mind. It's a holy frame of mind. It is not a worldly frame of mind. Operating in God's spirit is not a worldly frame of mind. It is a holy frame of mind. And holiness is worked in us by God's word. One, by his chastisement, two, and by his grace, three. So we're supposed to be chastised by God in order to grow and elevate in the things of the spirit. Now I'll give you the scriptures to support each one. By his word, John 17, 17. By his chastising us, Hebrews 12, 10. By his grace, Titus 2, 3, and verses 11 and 12. Now, I'll go through these real quickly, and then we can close, okay? Uh, by his word. Now, John 17, that's the Lord's Prayer, because that's when Jesus actually intercedes on our behalf. John 17, 17 says, Jesus is speaking to the Father. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay? That's how we get sanctified, through the word of God. We want to treat the word like it's some other kind of little novel book that you pick up every so often. The word is your lifeline. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is your life. Yes, it is. And if you don't know it and you don't use it, you are not operating according to the spirit. I don't care how, how filled you are and how many tongues you speak. If the word isn't guiding you, the truth isn't guiding you. Because if you're not dependent on God and his word, I even have a question about your tongues. Like, who's the author of it? Remember, he's a counterfeit. He don't know what you're saying, and you don't know what you're saying. Okay, chastisement. Let's go over to Hebrews 12. 12.10. For they verily for a few days chasten us, after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Okay, the law will chasten you for the profit of the law, but God chastens us so that we would become partakers of his holiness. If he doesn't chasten us and cleanse us, we are not holy. We may be righteous, but we're not holy. And some of us think because we, we learn what our spiritual gifts are. We pray in tongues. And God used us a few times to give a revelation we're holy. No. Uh-uh. How's your character? Amen. That determines your holiness. Amen? Amen? Okay, the last scripture we're going to do is, is uh, Titus. Do y'all still like me? Yes! No, I love you. you. <laughs> Because <laughs> Titus 2, 
verse 5. This is what says sound doctrine. This is what sound doctrine will do for you. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemy. Now this was talking about women, but it works for both, both uh, female and, and, and men, okay? Um, and verses... Um, 11 and 12, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation have appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. How can we draw all men to Christ when we live in the world the way the world lives? Amen. What's going to draw them? Okay, we have to be where his glory shines through us to draw all men to him. And you can't just speak some good things out of the word, but live like the world and think you're drawing Jesus, Amen. drawing people to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't work. You have to be consistent. Consistency is the thing that breaks the back of Satan. So if you are consistently walking in the things of Christ and in his spirit, then that's when you get a breakthrough with those who don't know him and they want to come to know him. Because why? They see you living a holy, chaste life, but with joy and with peace and with contentment and not suffering from any lack. Yes, hallelujah. That's what they have to see. And we, we cannot pretend, and you cannot evangelize not one living soul with your religious acts and speaking in tongues. It's going to be by your behavior. Yes. And you won't even know a lot of times that you have affected someone until they come up and start asking you some questions. Yes. That's going to lead them to be able to do the salvation prayer. And don't be, I'm going, I'm going to close with this. Don't be trying to expect worldly people to act holy. You want them to be good and act righteous and holy? How? They can't. They're acting the way they, the, their God have them to act. They don't know any better. They can't do any differently. That's why you act the way your God tells you to act so that you can bring a difference before them when you come in their presence. Yeah. We want to expect far more from others than we're willing to expect from ourselves. It's time out for that. Yes. The season that we're in, mm -mm, it's time out for that. Plus, when we start acting right and doing what God wants us to do, the, our children will follow that pattern. They're following your pattern. And why you want to try to beat the hell out of them when they act up out in public. Just look in the mirror. You're seeing the reflection. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to get ready and do our benediction. But I want to put out some stats here for you so that you can be praying. It's very important that um, we really pray for our country and the things that are going on. I just got these stats the other day that... Um, as of um, ages 18 years and older, that there are 300 million alcoholics, 45 million drug addictions, 
and three million suicides of the ages of 18 and older. And um, also, I heard about the uh, abortions. Up to the present time, there's like 70 million, just the year. I'm just talking about this year, not overall. About 70 million abortions in one year. And we are fretting about, God, when are you going to do something about COVID? He's thinking, when are you going to do something about these stats? So we need to be praying about these issues and also calling, as they say, call your senator about how to vote on that act because it's not bringing equality. That's a deceptive terminology. Amen? Amen. Okay, now uh, for the benediction. For this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you all, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or all that you ask or think according to the power or according to the faith that worketh in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. That prayer is for us to grow in the knowledge of Christ after you've been saved. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Be blessed.